Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Nourish Eat Repeat. Guys, you're in for a special treat today because I have a very special guest. Her name is Tanya Painter, and she's from Spokane, Washington, and she's a naturopathic doctor who specializes in helping women struggling with headaches and migraines. So Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yes, we're so excited to have you. Now, I will admit that I personally do not struggle with migraines, but I know a lot of my clients do. And so we're going to dig deep today because I want to help, you know, all those people listening that are struggling and not quite sure how to fix this or even if there's a nutrition component around it. And so that's why I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, sounds great. All right. So before we get started, why don't you introduce yourself and let us know a little bit more about you? Okay. Well, uh, as you said, my name is Tanya Painter and uh, I'm a doctor of naturopathic medicine. I um, went to the University of Washington Medical Center or uh, University of Washington um, for my undergrad and had a, a Bachelor of Science um, in molecular and cellular biology and, um, and then went to Bastyr University and, um, in Seattle and uh, got my naturopathic degree. And I myself uh, struggled with uh, daily chronic headaches after a car accident when I was 16. Um, they just kind of got progressively worse and um, they progressed into migraine. And I, um, you know, that it was, it was a daily battle for me. And so I really grew to understand the pain that my, my patients who suffer with migraines, um, go through. And when I graduated, you know, long journey through med school to try to, to work on myself, right. I, I wanted to figure out what was wrong with me and to, to get over these migraines. And, um, and I finally started understanding, you know, putting things together that I was learning from the biochemistry and neurochemistry and, you know, the dietary stuff and gut healing and all of the different things. And, um, I am now seven years migraine free, so knock on wood, but, um, you know, and it's just wonderful to have my life back. And, uh, so, so, you know, my patients that would come in that would have headaches or migraine, um, it was just my, I had a special place in my heart for them and it was wonderful to get to see them heal from them as well and, um, and get their life back. And so that's kind of what brought me to, um, what I'm doing now is specializing in treating women with chronic migraine that are not being, um, well controlled by the conventional approach. And, um, so that's, that's kind of my story. I mean, when I hear that, and I hear you say seven years without a migraine that Mm -hmm. I don't hear that often. Usually it's people that have them, they're recurring. Um, they're always battling or struggling, whatever the word you want to use is. So to not have anything in seven years, that feels unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does to, to somebody who's, who's going through it, but, um, our clients have the same results too. 
yeah. And, you know, I have, I have one, um, she's amazing. I started working with her probably about two years ago. Uh, she had a stroke when she was 10 and she had daily, uh, well, five to seven migraine days a week. So almost daily since she was 10 years old, she's now in her fifties. And, um, and as she started kind of in the same approach, she started going weeks without migraine and then months without a migraine. And now she is working on a full year. She's like 280 some days migraine free. And she's like, I never thought this was possible. So it just goes to show that, you know, we can actually, I don't say that we're healed from them because I know that if I don't stay up on what I know my body needs, um, I definitely start feeling headaches starting to come back and then I know, Oh, okay. But they're just headaches. They're fairly minor. I can get them under control very quickly. But um, if I don't, then that's when my last migraine was when I did not take the warning signs. And um, so, you know, it's, it's a lot about learning what your body needs. And that's the big thing. It's different for everybody. So once you kind of figure that out, you figure out where your nutritional deficiencies are, where your biochemical deficiencies are, and you can support those specific pathways, you can actually heal from them. Um, and as long as you keep yourself kind of the status quo where you need to be, they don't come back. But um, it takes a while to get there. You know, my journey was probably about 10 years. Um, but of course, I was figuring all this out from scratch, you know, through medical school and all that. But um, it's obviously much faster for my clients now. Wow. So let's let's actually start at the beginning. Can we define the difference between headaches or chronic headaches and migraines? Just so yeah. we can use the same language throughout this entire uh, podcast. You bet. So migraine is, is actually the diagnostic criteria is that you have at least five headache attacks that last between, you know, anywhere from four to 72 hours that are unsuccessfully treated and have at least two other things, symptoms that come along with it. Something like, um, uh, it's a, it's pulsating or it's on one side of the head or, you know, a severe pain, um, things like that. And then it also has to have one of the following like nausea or vomiting, light um, sensitivity, sound sensitivity. So when you have, you know, uh, people are often misdiagnosed uh, as just having chronic headaches when in reality, because they might fit this, um, this diagnostic criteria, they might actually have migraines. Uh, chronic migraines actually comes when you have at least 15 headache days a month with at least eight of those headaches, having a migraine feature uh, for more than three months in a row. And that's when they are defined as being chronic. Now, when I, when I'm speaking with my, my clients, um, a lot of times the question I get is, well, I can't tell, am I actually having a headache or am I having a migraine? And really when it comes down to looking at the underlying imbalances, the definition itself doesn't really matter. You just want to be consistent. And this is for kind of tracking purposes to see how you're improving, because essentially as you begin that journey, it's not that your migraine frequency goes down. It's more that you, um, you start having less intense pain or the symptoms that go along with it aren't quite as debilitating and you start just noticing the intensity is less. And then as the intensity gets less, you start responding to medications better. And then suddenly you start seeing frequency go down. So when you're looking at the definition for yourself personally, I mean, obviously when you're being seen by a doctor, the diagnosis is important so that you get the right treatment, but for you yourself, understanding what you consider a migraine versus a headache, just keep it consistent so that you can kind of track your own progress. And that's usually what I tell my clients. Okay. So 
You mentioned in your um, your response dietary needs and like what are your whether it be deficiencies or you know intentional or unintentional. Can you talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about how dieting can affect migraines? Yeah. Yeah, I know I say the, the very first thing that we start working on is, is diet and gut health, um, number one, hands down. And I, I don't think that anybody who struggles with migraines has any, um, any question about the fact that diet plays a role for them, right? I've never heard of someone who hasn't found some sort of a, a food that triggers them. I'm sure that people probably exist that, you know, haven't figured, haven't figured that out or don't have one that they've noticed. But, um, you know, food is where we get all of our nutrients, or at least it should be ideally. And so when we are, um, when we are dealing with a biochemical imbalance, such as, um, leads to migraines, then we oftentimes see that it's it's comes back to a huge chunk is that dietary piece. So being able to identify the foods that are triggering. And most of, most of the people that I talk to, they know what foods they have to stay away from, whether it be caffeine or alcohol or sugar or, you know, whatever. But one of the things that, um, I, when I start hearing some of these really severe cases that concerns me and something that I don't think a lot of people do think about is when you have a migraine, or a chronic migraine syndrome, and you are so afraid of having another one that you, anything that you even suspect is triggering it, you avoid, like, that's just, you know, there's a lot of fear around that. And so when, as, as I, as I start seeing these more complicated and longstanding problems, um, we start seeing a lot of women who have restricted their diet to a handful of foods that they feel safe with. And that leads to its own set of problems because then we're starting to look at nutrient deficiency from the diet itself. And I think that's really important to point out that you can actually restrict yourself into these nutrient deficiencies that then will compound the migraine problem as well. So, um, so yes, in the short term, while you're working on healing, we do need to restrict things that trigger but then the ultimate goal within, you know, six or 12 months, we need to make sure that we're working on that gut healing piece so that you can start opening the diet back up because, you know, calorie deficiencies, uh, macronutrients, like your fats, proteins, carbs, when those are too low, when you have imbalanced blood sugar, when you're having specific nutrient deficiencies, like you're not eating any type of citrus and your vitamin C intake is super low. That's a major antioxidant, which is really important for cell health and for detoxification purposes. So if we're becoming restricted in the nutrients that we're getting, then we end up seeing that that's kind of spiraling the problem. And, um, and then that can, you know, that can go down a very bad path where the poor person is like, I don't even know what to eat. I can't eat anything without it triggering me. And that comes back to really needing to focus on healing up the gut and, um, and working on, you know, balancing the gut flora and all of that. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit more about that because you mentioned that quite a few times. So talk to us about the connection between the gut and, and the the brain, right. And your neurological system. Uh, How does that directly affect? Yeah. So um, we're, we're understanding a lot more how directly connected there's um, you know, the new gut brain axis or the gut brain connection um, that we're really starting to understand. And the, the gut is actually acting in the capacity of the brain, like that's control things in our body that we didn't understand before. 
one of the ways it does this is it, it's produces. So uh, our gut actually produces about 95% of our serotonin, which is one of our major neurotransmitters. And it's hugely important in migraines because uh, drops in serotonin will trigger a migraine, well-known trigger for it. Um, in fact, that's what the medications triptans work on is helping to boost the serotonin to help with vasoconstriction and increase serotonin levels. And you know that helps to, um, to get rid of a migraine. So when we have inflammation in our gut or we have our gut is not where it needs to be, if we have imbalanced flora that is not optimizing our serotonin production, um, along with other neurotransmitters that our gut can, can produce, um, our, our gut bacteria is also responsible for not only helping us to absorb nutrients from our food, but also in some cases actually produces some of our vitamins that we need. And so when our gut bacteria isn't where it needs to be, we end up seeing that the whole body is thrown off. And so that's why I say it's so important that we need to work on gut healing. And that's a huge piece that I don't ever see anybody um, addressing when you know they work on diet. And that's fantastic. But then the, the next step, like you can't just stop there. You have to work on healing the gut, helping to reduce inflammation, helping to balance that gut flora. And, um, and, and that's really where we start seeing the benefits <clears throat> is when that gut healing piece happens, then we actually start seeing healing in general starting to happen. Our, you know, the whole body starts to respond as well. So what would be an example of something that you would do to heal the gut? Yeah. So, um, the first thing is really working on an anti-inflammatory, um, anti-inflammatory diet, working on reducing sugar. Um, a lot of the foods that are inflammatory. So, um, you know, gluten and dairy and some of those other things, like you can look at a lot of those heal your headache diets and, um, you know, autoimmune protocol diets and all kinds of different anti-inflammatory diets, but basically you want to be on some sort of an anti-inflammatory whole foods diet. And then once you have that kind of in hand, then working on doing a good quality soil-based probiotic is usually, um, so a lot of research in the last five to 10 years has really been showing that the normal probiotics that we typically get like lactobacillus, bifidobacterium, things like that are very beneficial while you're taking them, but they don't actually repopulate the gut like we thought they did. But they're finding that soil-based probiotics, and there's a handful of them out on the market now, they actually do repopulate uh, the gut. And so those are, when we're looking at trying to re, you know, change the gut flora, we wanna look at soil-based probiotics. So that's kind of step two. And then step three is we really wanna work on um, dealing with, with any, um, infections that might be undiagnosed. So, so there's something called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. There's candida, there's, you know, just different um, viral and bacterial infections that can happen that can kind of lay low. So you don't feel like you've got a stomach bug, but in reality, you know, you've got some stuff going on that needs to be addressed. So then that needs to be um, taken care of. And that, you know, I'd say probably 30 or 40% of the people that I, I deal with actually have an active infection that they need to work with. So it's not the majority, but it is that pretty high percentage. And then, um, and then we come to the actual healing part. So these are doing things. So I'm an, I'm a naturopathic doctor, so I love my herbs. So we do things like slippery elm or, um, demulcent herbs, like marshmallow root, licorice is a good one. So things that can really help to heal the gut. L-glutamine, which is an uh, amino acid that is very, it, it works in our whole body, right? It's something that is a building block for a lot of stuff in our body, but it also can work locally on helping to heal the gut. And it's wonderful for, for the gut to heal. 
That being said, in a migraine population, and this is where sometimes we can get a little stuck, right? Glutamine is an amazing tool to help with gut healing, but in people with migraines who are sensitive to glutamate, glutamine will turn into glutamate in the body and that can actually trigger a migraine. So we have to be very careful about that. Um, and, but the good thing is if we know I take a supplement with glutamine and I have a migraine, we know that you've got a glutamate problem. And so then we can really help to support that and, you know, calm down that response. And so there's stuff that we can do there too. So we're always looking for these clues that pop up during treatments and during um, dietary changes and what does and doesn't trigger you. We can look for these biochemical building blocks that will tell us a lot about what's going on in that person's body. So we can kind of tailor that that um, treatment to them specifically, because generally, you know, most people tolerate the glutamine fine, but I do have a handful of clients where they take those, those um, supplements and they feel like it correlates with a migraine for them. So then that tells me, okay, we've got another issue that we need to work on for you. So we can use all of that information, even the ones that trigger a migraine. Um, and then we usually do that for, you know, the whole gut healing thing for about three to four months, generally speaking. And then we start looking at, okay, where are we at? What else do we need to work on? Sometimes, you know, if there's more specific hormonal or neurotransmitter issues that we need to work on, then we kind of focus in on some of those things. It's not just as simple as working on diet and gut, right? I wish it were. And in some cases it can be, but a, a lot of times there are these other things that need to come along with it. But meanwhile, we're doing that as you're working on healing up your gut, because it does take a little while for that to happen. And then once we're in a, in a good place and we're down from, you know, four or five migraine days a week to a couple of months, then we know, all right, let's start challenging this food, bringing foods back in opening and expanding that diet up and, you know, see what happens. And we're looking for any worsening symptoms or any other, you know, gut changes. And, you know, if everything is good and stays one to two migraine days a month, usually that's related to hormones, which takes a little bit longer. Um, then we know, okay, great. This is looking pretty good. And now we're just really strict, strictly focusing on hormone or whatever the case may be for that person. Okay. So you had also mentioned previously about things like vitamin C and antioxidants. How does that play a role in in managing migraines. Yeah, it's so important. So there was a study that I read a few years ago about, um, they took a population of a couple hundred people. So it was fairly small, but it was very telling. And um, the, the about 95% of the people with chronic migraines had a deficiency in glutathione, which is one of our strongest antioxidants in the body. And in case somebody doesn't know what an antioxidant is, it basically helps to, um, it helps with our detoxification. So it, um, to take a complicated process, it basically just kind of is a, uh, it kind of bundles it up, if you will, so that you can get rid of it. It changes, it changes those, those toxic molecules. And so that, that we can actually get rid of it. And so when we don't have that, that's one of the first steps in our, um, first steps in our detoxification system. And when we don't have that, then we can't move all of the junk that we're exposed to out of our body. Um, and it also protects our cell from damage from the, from that junk as well. And so when we have, when we have deficiencies in that, then, you know, the, the chemicals that we're exposed to via diet and in the air and gas from our cars and what have you, then 
that just runs rampant in our body and we can't do anything about it. So the fact that 95% of people with chronic migraine had deficiency in their, in their major antioxidant is super telling. So it's a very, very important piece that cannot be ignored. And a lot of times, um, but that, that being said, again, when we're looking at chronic migraines, you can't take a glutathione supplement or something that, you know, like a, uh, an immediate precursor to glutathione, like uh, N-acetylcysteine or NAC, you, you probably have heard of that. Maybe it's a huge COVID thing. So a lot of people probably know what NAC is now. You can actually take those, but again, in a migraine situation, glutathione is very closely related to nitric oxide, which helps our blood vessels to get bigger, to, to dilate which is another major trigger for somebody with migraines is vasodilation. And so a lot of times we have to kind of go around the back door to helping support this, because if we give straight up glutathione, a lot of times that can actually trigger migraines for people. So again, you know, people hear all of these things like, oh, I want to try that glutathione. And then they try it and it gives them a migraine and like, well, this is not my problem. You know, this, I can't have this. And so again, that tells us a lot about their biochemistry. If that's what's going on, then we know either they've got a problem metabolizing sulfur, or they have a problem with, you know, converting glutathione into nitric oxide and has a big vasodilation piece, which I do see a lot of people with chronic migraines have very low blood pressure. That's not being addressed either. And that is another huge thing, huge underlying issue. So you can see how one topic actually kind of wraps into three or four others. It's why it can be so confusing to, you know, try to manage a migraine. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm listening to you talk about all this. I'm like, all right, so let's simplify because I like simple, right? Okay, simple's good. Simple's good. My my clients like simple. I like simple. You know, you've given us a lot of great background information in terms of what can trigger, what causes, potential treatment plans. But it sounds like you said very individually based. It is, um, but a huge nutrition underlying component to to all of this. So if you were to give us like three tips on how our nutrition can affect, whether it be the intensity or the frequency of migraines, how do we decrease frequency? How do we decrease intensity? Um, what would your top three nutrition tips be? Mm -hmm. uh, number one, hands down is sugar detox. So really working on getting rid of the sugar. Um, the general rule of thumb is we don't want any more than 25 grams of sugar uh, per day and of added sugar, I should say. And that, I mean, if you've ever paid attention to sugar and I'm sure that your audience is very aware of this, um, but you know, that can be like, that can be one cup of yogurt, right? So it can be really hard to actually 25 grams sounds like a lot, but we, a lot of times get upwards of 60 or 70 grams a day. So it can be a significant difference. So really just kind of monitoring that and working on lowering the, the blood sugar. And then, um, and then step number two would be going with a, a an anti-inflammatory diet. And there's a lot of different options out there. There is, you know, the AIP diet, um, although people with migraines tend to do better with some carbs. So I wouldn't go strict AIP, but, um, you know, AIP modified with some carbohydrates, I think might be a good option. Uh, or just, you know, a general whole foods diet, whole 30 is a good place to start things like that. And then um, really just watching for, for the foods that trigger them, because this is a really big piece. It's not just about the foods, it's about what's making up the food. So for example, a lot of people have um, triggers of, you know, say avocado, um, strawberry, 
and um, you know, they also have seasonal allergies, right? And so that tells me when they have foods or and fermented foods cause them problems, right? So when I'm hearing that, I'm hearing histamine is a big problem for them. So it's not necessarily about avoiding the avocado and avoiding the fermented foods. It's about understanding that their body is having a problem processing histamine. So really tracking the foods that they say, see trigger them. And then, you know, they won't be able to figure it out most likely, but if they take it to a nutritionist who understands some of the major pieces of that food and bring that in and sit down and discuss with somebody who understands that, what are the common, what's the common theme between these foods that are triggering me? Like what is, and that can really help them understand those underlying biochemical imbalances in their body. And then suddenly they know, okay, well, I have to go low histamine. So this is different for everybody. There's the low histamine diet, low tyramine diet. And a lot of people are like, I don't really know which one to choose. You know, they just try them all. And, um, and that, and that's fine. You can definitely do a trial and error of something like that. That's a little bit more specific than the anti-inflammatory diet, but you know, then they get discouraged if it doesn't work for them. But if a low histamine diet doesn't work for you, then that just means that you don't have any problems with histamine and that's not a problem for you. So you've ruled that out. And that's actually a good thing. That's something that you've ruled out there. So I would say that that tip number three would be really just um, understanding that there is more, that it's not just a single food problem. It's something, it's, it's an amino acid that means something like the histamine or the tyramine. And then that gives us a lot of information about the underlying problems behind your migraine. And that, when we address that part, that's really where the healing comes in. Just a quick, quick follow-up question. Do you notice that for people with with triggers, like food triggers or histamine triggers, is it usually an immediate response or can it take a few hours? So somebody was logging this and trying to figure out the connection. I know like sometimes in the gut, like when we're talking about IBS or FODMAP and all that kind of stuff, we're looking at, you know, a distinct time frame where the food actually gets to that part of your gut and causes problems. Is it the same with migraines or is it more immediate? That is very um, dependent on the person. So some people, like they haven't even finished their meal and they start feeling a migraine come on. And then there are others that like for me, if I eat gluten, it's not until five o'clock the next day. Like I can literally tell you what time of day it is if I've had gluten the following or the previous day. Um, So for me, it's, you know, usually a 24 hour delay. And there are actually, there's research that shows that if you have a, um, a certain type of reaction, to foods. It's called an IgG reaction. I don't know if you've talked to your P. Okay. So, um, so if you have an IgG reaction, it can actually be up to 120 hours after you've eaten the food. So that's five days later. And so that's why it can be very tricky. Sometimes if you do have a delayed response to food, um, that it can seem completely unrelated. And it's not until you actually start, you know, looking backwards up to those five days that you can start saying, well, you know, four days after I have meatloaf, every time I get a migraine, that's pretty weird timing. So then they say, all right, well, maybe meatloaf is a bad thing for me. Right. So, um, so it can be a little bit trickier. Uh, that's not as common. I tend to see that usually it's within 24 to 48 hours. Max is usually what I see. Okay. Just as somebody's trying to work through it and I always say, if it's not an immediate response and chances are, you're looking at the wrong thing. And it can, like you said, that's where it gets very confusing. So thanks for clarifying yeah, it's, that. 
Yeah, it's a little bit different for gut stuff because that is going to be more immediate. But when we're talking about a systemic response, especially if there's the immune system involved, it can be several days later. But as I said, that's less common, but it's just good to be aware of that it actually can be, you know, that long after you've eaten it. Okay. And then just one more follow-up question. Are there any lifestyle changes that we can make to decrease frequency or decrease intensity? I know we put a lot of emphasis on the nutrition piece, but what are maybe some of those other lifestyle things that we can maybe incorporate? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it comes as a surprise to anybody who has migraines that it's stress is a major trigger. So there's a lot of different reasons for that. And without getting too complicated, it can be relating to the, the two most common reasons that I see, uh, actually three. One is cortisol. So that's our a stress hormone. Um, when it spikes and more often when it is withdrawn, that's usually when we see the migraine happening. So if you have a really stressful day and you come home and you're like settling down for the night and you get a migraine, a lot of times it's that drop in cortisol that's causing it. So really trying to manage your stress through the day can help prevent those cortisol spikes and subsequently the withdrawal that happens um, at nighttime. So that's a huge piece. Um, number two is our neurotrans, our stress neurotransmitters, epinephrine norepinephrine and dopamine. And, um, a lot of times I see imbalances in how our body produces those, and those can also trigger migraines as well. So if it's more of, you know, I'm faced with a, uh, an emergency at work and within, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, I'm starting to get a migraine that's probably less likely related to the cortisol and more likely related to those neurotransmitter spikes. And so then, you know, the timing of when your body responds with a migraine to stress can really give us a lot of information again about the biochemistry that's causing it. So then we can start to target those specific pathways. Um, so that's number two. And again, stress management is very important to try to keep that adrenaline rush from happening so that it's not triggering migraine. And number three, and this is less directly affected and more of a long-term consequence of stress is how it affects our hormones. And that's a whole other topic. So I won't get into that too much. However, I will say that when we have chronic high stress, it how it actually decreases our progesterone and our progesterone is what helps us stay calm, helps us sleep. It's the neurosteroid. So it helps to reduce inflammation in the brain. And I would say probably 99% of my clients are progesterone deficient. And a lot of times it comes back to chronic stress for years over their life. So it's, it's so important to, to manage stress and not just like, well, yeah, I do yoga twice a week. Like this is something that needs to be every day. We're paying attention. How stressed are we? How is it affecting us? Because it's a huge problem. And I hear all the time, I didn't realize how much of a problem stress was for me on a day-to-day -day basis. So really being aware of that can be super helpful. Um, and then, you know, sleep, uh, our, our bodies are clocks. And so if we don't have a good sleep routine, especially for those of us with chronic migraines, when we, when we mess up our, um, our timing, even by like an hour or two on the weekends that can actually throw our bodies way off. We're super sensitive to changes like that. And so, uh, and that affects when our hormones are spiking and when our neurotransmitters are spiking. And so, um, it's really important for people to maintain a constant, um, sleep schedule. So you, even on the weekends, you go to bed at the same time, you wake up at the same time, and that can actually really help with some of those weekend migraines because, you know, we all stay up later on Friday and then we sleep in on Saturday. Cause you can, why not? 
but, um, with somebody, somebody with migraine that actually can throw you off and then you end up with a migraine for the rest of the weekend. So, um, that can be another really important thing. And, um, I'll throw out one more, cause this is hugely important is, um, electrolytes. I see again, coming back to those nutrient imbalances, when um, a lot of times people are just very deficient in some of our basic nutrients like calcium, magnesium, um, things that are involved in a billion cellular processes. And so uh, just taking some electrolytes, sodium, um, you know, some, a little bit of, of uh, sugar, um, like coconut water, something that has a little bit of glucose to help with, with maintaining blood sugar levels. All of that can actually do two things. It can help replete our nutrient deficiencies, and it can also help to actually increase our body's ability to absorb the water. Because a lot of times we'll drink a ton of water and our body doesn't absorb it. It goes right through us and we pee it out. So it's really important for our cells to be able to be hydrated it, that we have all of those nutrients with it. So drinking electrolyte water regularly can be very helpful in the long term to help to rehydrate and re, um, remineral, re remineralize our bodies. Fabulous. All right. Well, that was a ton of information. Thank you, Tanya, for you're welcome. all of your expertise and your wisdom in this area and for those really great tips on giving us things to think about and ways that we can analyze our own diet, our own lifestyle and see, you know, if you struggle with migraines, these tips could be potential life changers. So yeah. we appreciate all your time. Absolutely. So we always end all of our episodes with a recipe. And so I'm going to ask you if you have a recipe to share with our listeners. Um, it could be a, a favorite go-to meal or a snack, uh, or even something that's, um, anti-inflammatory friendly, you know, for somebody yeah. who might be struggling with, with migraines, if you wouldn't mind sharing a recipe with all of us. Sure. Well, one of, um, one of my favorite types of meals is a, a frozen crock pot meal, um, or frozen instant pot meal. I love the instant pot, but, um, you know, we, because eating healthy can be sometimes time consuming, right? Like all the meal prep. So I love to just set aside one weekend day a month, like four hours and, you know, get the family together. We chop vegetables, we put it all, you know, make five or six different recipes, make four of each of them. And then suddenly we have meals for the rest of the month. Um, one of my favorite is apple stewed lamb. So you would um, take about two pounds of lamb's uh, stew meat, a, a white onion, two small apples, um, and throw, you know, chop them all up, put them in a big freezer Ziploc bag, throw in a little bit of sea salt, a little bit of garlic powder, a little bit of dried oregano. And then if you like the flavor of cinnamon, that tastes really good with it. And then um, a little bit like a tablespoon or so of olive oil. And then you mix it all together in the bag, lay it flat and put it in the freezer and let it freeze. And um, then the morning that you're ready to eat it, if you have a crock pot, you just take it out, dump the contents out into the crock pot, add a cup of vegetable broth and let it simmer on, um, on high for four hours or low for eight. Or you can put it in the instant pot, you know, an hour or two before you're ready for your meal. Same thing, add a little bit of, uh, add a, about a cup of vegetable broth and let it cook for about 50 minutes or so if we're going from frozen and um, then put it over sweet potatoes or, um, you know, a little bit of wild rice if you want. And it's quite delicious. Yeah. Do you have a favorite vegetable you like to pair with that? Um, I like to put it over sweet potatoes myself. Um, sweet potatoes. Then, okay. I mean, I guess that's not really a vegetable. Um, 
you know, I, I don't really know. I guess I don't really do vegetables with it because I've got some fruit and some, um, some onion in it, but I, you know, kale is my go-to. Like I love kale. So I'll just put kale on the side of anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. It's hearty. It is. It can hand, it can handle any, it really um, can liquid based meal or solid. It's just, it's resilient. It's very versatile. Yes. Awesome. All right. So Tanya, tell us how we can learn more about you and your services in case um, any of our listeners want more. Sure. So uh, you can find me at migrainemastery.org. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, we have a free group for anybody who'd like to join us. It's called uh, Migraine Mastery and My Migraine Support. And then I also have a YouTube channel called uh, Migraine Mastery and Migraine Free Life. Excellent. We will definitely be checking out those options. All right. Well, I cannot thank you enough for being with us today. Um, as always, for all of my listeners, thank you so much for, for tuning in today. I hope you found this information helpful and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.